Welcome to episode 49 of FRT, the IAF podcast on the intersection of finance, regulation and technology. I'm Brad Carr. On this episode, Conan French and I are going to preview the IAF annual membership meeting together with our colleagues Dylan Riddle and Andreas Portia. We have a big production here in Washington with a major influx of our members and officials coming to town, both for our program across October 16th to 19th and the concurrent IMF and World Bank meetings. Welcome, Dylan. Welcome, Andreas. Thank you, Brad. Thanks. Dylan, you lead the IF's communications team and you're across the whole series of public engagements through the week. So let's start at the holistic level. What can our guests expect in terms of the scale and the major themes of the event? Yeah, I think if you talk to anybody who's been working on this since it started coming together, this is definitely one of the most ambitious annual meetings that the IF has had in recent memory. We're running from Wednesday through Saturday evening. More than 90 panels, 250 panelists. We'll have more than 30 CEOs or chairmen on stage. So the program itself is going to kind of revolve around a handful of themes that we've been focusing on internally over the last year or so since we were in Bali last year, which was our last annual meeting. I'll kind of run through a few of them right now. The two big ones being sustainable finance. This is an initiative that was started last year at the behest of our board of directors, obviously, but it's quickly become the fastest growing work stream within the IIF more than 150 members across the institution, and you'll see kind of that importance reflected in the program. So we'll have a number of panels, including one that I'm particularly excited for on Friday morning. We're going to have Jillian Tett, who is the U.S. chair of the editorial board for the Financial Times, and she's also the lead author of FT's Moral Money newsletter. She's going to be moderating a panel between the chair of the Network for Greening the Financial System, Frank Elderson and Hester Pierce from the SEC. And that will kick off basically the policymakers will be on stage giving their discussions. And then we'll kick off an industry view panel following right after that, which I'm sure will be a crowd pleaser. One other key thing that I guess we should mention as a theme is anti-money laundering. And this is obviously something that's top of mind for all of our members and something that we're really focusing on. So I'm sure you guys will touch on it in a bit, but we'll be rolling out a big report. There's lots of focus on it from our members and on stage, and it'll be all about enhancing the global framework and stemming the flow of illicit finance across the world. Two more that I'm sure you guys are going to jump into as well would be market fragmentation. And then of course, the real centerpiece of this podcast being our digital work stream. There's a lot happening. Those themes uh, will be prevalent through all of the discussions. You probably uh, jumped the gun a little bit there or or stolen Andreas's thunder when bringing up the AML focus, but we will uh, pick that up in in the financial crime report uh, and roundtable a little later in the discussion. Glad you also mentioned that we were in Bali a year ago, and it's probably worth clarifying that we hold this event wherever the World Bank and IMF hold theirs, which means that two years out of every three, we're here in Washington. We'll be at the Ronald Reagan Center just a couple of blocks down the road from our offices, a little bit different to the production that we had in Bali last year, a much bigger event when we're here in Washington. It's a shame we can't go back to Bali, though. It was not. <laughs> what are some of the metrics that you've got for this meeting? I know that there's some numbers that have stood out for me, press, attendees, panels. I mean, I think the program kind of speaks for itself. The 90 panels, more than 30 CEOs, all that's drawn in a lot of attention. So we're going to have multiple TV crews broadcasting live on site during the event. We'll have probably 100, 120 reporters on site. It's uh, definitely reflective of our panelists on stage and the view that we're highlighting some of the key issues facing the industry and the global economy right now. Andreas, before we turn to some of the specific topics such as financial crime a little later, you've been with the IAF now for 17 years and you've seen many of these meetings and I'm sure you've seen the major themes evolve a lot over the years, for instance, through and since the financial crisis. Before we get into those regulatory sessions for this year, what are you most looking forward to in this year's program? Thanks, Brad. I'm really excited about this year's program. 
And obviously, our agenda has been evolving along with the developments in both the industry and the regulatory community. And this is why this year we will be focusing a lot on key industry trends, such as sustainable finance, as, as Dylan mentioned, fintech and the digital transformation of the industry, LIBOR, Brexit, in addition to our more traditional prudential regulatory topics. Uh, on this, it's important to note that the regulatory agenda has been shifting towards non-prudential risks, such as cyber, reputational risk, uh, fraud, financial crime, along with those issues related to the transformation of the industry. What I'm most really looking forward is to hear leading policymakers, central bankers, regulators, while they discuss issues at the center of the current macroeconomic, geopolitical, industry, and financial stability trends. Let me give you just two examples of those. There's one panel on Brexit, and of course, it's going to focus on the current political discussions between the UK and the EU, while at the same time, analyze the implications for the business strategy of both UK and foreign banks that operate in the UK, the future of London as a financial center and possible financial stability concerns. And then similarly, our panel on sustainable finance will address the different perspectives from the buy and sell side. ESG investment considerations, possible regulatory and supervisory approaches, and the huge investment opportunities related to the transition into a greener economy. Conan, we have a huge digital program on the agenda with nine panels and two roundtables across our main digital topics. If we quickly go through some of the highlights chronologically, we start on Wednesday the 16th, firstly with a roundtable that picks up on the financial stability issues with technology, cloud and digital currencies, building off the FSB fintech market structure paper from earlier in the year. But then we move on to digital identity with a roundtable that coincides quite neatly with the publication of our second paper. What can you tell us about that one? That's right. Well, digital identity, I think, has been a central and really important theme in financial services and, and really the digitized economy as a whole over the past couple of years. New technologies changing how people are identified and what we know about them. New actors are joining. The ecosystem is broadening. Roles and responsibilities are shifting around a little bit. So we thought it was important as we begin our week to convene our members, uh, technology leaders, and the public sector to really dive into these developments in digital identity. So we're going to hear from some of the really creative new biometric and other identity technology firms. We're going to talk about how these new technologies can make the fight against financial crime and fraud more efficient, more effective. We'll also be diving into the different models that are emerging for digital identity. You have the Adhar model in India with a base layer of digital identity as a public service that then the industry can build on. I think that uh, Singapore is looking at some different uh, initiatives that they might be considering. So we see these different models of public, private-led hybrid models. And I think a lot of the leading thinkers are, are looking at these multiple sources and how is this map changing? So it's not just digitizing your uh, driver's license or ID. This is really diving into what are the future attributes and credentials for individuals and corporations in the, the future economy. So looking forward to that section. Which is timely. And I think digital identity is going to be a really important part of the, the platform economy and the ecosystems that a lot of our member firms will be operating in going forward. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, we'll have a paper coming out next week, and this will be the second paper in our three-part series on digital identity. The first one looked at those financial crime tools and, and applications in AML. This one's going to be looking at responsible digital identities for financial inclusion. How does this really drive a broader ecosystem? How can our members more efficiently and effectively serve broader and growing customer base with these new technologies? So if we turn then to Thursday the 17th, and we have our data town hall, 
And as data becomes perhaps the currency of the new economy, some would say the new oil, although we had a great discussion of the alternate interpretations of that analogy with JC Perennias of Mizuho back on episode 27. But data policy issues are at the fore, and we'll have sessions in the town hall that explore personal data rights, the ethical use of data, and some of the key localization requirements and restrictions. But Conan, I think perhaps the most interesting session of the day is the one that you'll be moderating on the economic value and monetization of data. Can you give us a quick synopsis of that session? Sure. I think what's uh, important there is to dig into how can our members uh, really help their customers, the individuals and, and the companies in the economy secure their data, but also uh, use their data to create maybe better risk and credit models in the future. You mentioned data might be the new oil. Um, that's actually one of the things that we'll dive into at the beginning is what are the attributes of data that set it apart and make it actually a, a crucial new resource in the economy, but very different from oil. Uh, so the fact that the same data element can be very valuable to one firm in the economy and have almost no value to somebody else. The fact that the same data element can be used almost infinitely uh, and doesn't get depleted as a resource. So it's got some different attributes. And then we're going to dig into how do you really manage um, as privacy initiatives and other data policies are rolled out around the world? How do we manage who can do what with the data for what benefit? Uh, and how are those benefits shared? And what are the roles and responsibilities? And more broadly across that data town hall, as well as the chief data officers and CROs of many of our leading bank and insurance members, we'll have some great guests from the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Paul Watkins of the CFPB, the Open Data Institute, Google and PayPal, and also Doug Elliott of Oliver Wyman, who wrote the leading World Economic Forum paper on personal data rights. So there's a great diversity of perspectives. Turning then to Friday the 18th, and we have five panels across a range of digital topics. The Future of Money, I think, is an extremely topical session, looking somewhat at Facebook's Libra development, but I think more importantly beyond that, to some of the other future initiatives we see in the currency space and also some of the new payment channels. And we'll have former CFTC Chairman Chris Giancarlo, together with Charlotte Hogg of Visa, Kirsten Brathen, the CEO of DNB in Norway, which of course is one of the leading cashless or cash light markets, the Bank of Canada's Deputy Governor Tim Lane, and Professor Chris Brummer, who joined us on episode 43 not that long ago to dissect the recent Libra congressional hearings. But Conan, could you also quickly highlight some of the other interesting perspectives that day across our other sessions on competition, machine learning, and quantum computing in financial services? Sure. On quantum computing, our audience will have a great opportunity to hear directly from some of the scientists at MIT and University of Waterloo who have driven the development of this new type of computing. Um, we'll also hear from companies like Rigetti and Cambridge uh, Quantum who are helping to develop the application layer for financial service firms who are starting to use this new technology. So people should be able to leave the room and understand a bit more what quantum computing is, how it has an advantage over classical computing in some different areas, and then also thinking about um, some of the challenges that quantum computing will present. So for instance, encryption, current encryption key methods may be challenged by quantum. And so there are some public policy things to prepare for the quantum computing era. Competition in the age of digital platforms will bring together perspectives from Moody's, Transamerica's chief platform officer at Santander, Swift, and others who are uh, looking at how does this emerging landscape impact and change the opportunities that banks can pursue as they think about platformizing their business and serving new customer bases. Machine learning and finance will be a great opportunity to build on the survey that the IF has done over the past couple of months, uh, looking at how machine learning is being developed and deployed in the industry. We'll hear from folks at Bank of England, SEB Bank, and S&P who are monitoring and watching this development as um, 
machine learning is used in areas like new credit risk models uh, and other monitoring um, applications that have really opened up a much more efficient and effective future of finance. And also DataRobot, which is one of the, the vendors that a number of our member firms uh, have been utilizing as identified in that survey. Um, Dylan, of course, one of the great highlights of the program is the, the luncheon that we have on Friday. And can you tell us a bit about what we can expect from the, the speakers in that session? That's right. The morning on Friday is a slew of C-suite panels, concluding with the Friday lunch, which is the U.S. outlook from the C-suite, featuring Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan, obviously, and James Gorman from Morgan Stanley. In 2017, we had a very similar panel where Jamie Dimon kind of stole the show criticizing Bitcoin. There's really no other way to put it. He made quite the show at our lunch, uh, much to the approval of reporters who were in the room who were able to make uh, make a good amount of hay. And I think to date, still one of our most cited sessions throughout all of our events. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything to add to that discussion. I think the, the one inaccurate thing that Jamie Dimon said in that discussion two years ago, he stated, this is the last time I'm ever going to speak about Bitcoin. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a great program on Friday. And, and I'm also really looking forward to seeing Kati Swaminen again. Some of you may recall we had Kati uh, on this podcast on episode 32, in which she described some of what 3D printing could potentially do to trade patterns, particularly where the trade of intellectual property and bytes will displace the trade of finished goods. So it'll be great to hear from her again in one of those C-suite panels. Um, Andreas, as we then get to Saturday the 19th and on the home straight, we still have plenty more to do and we have some great regulatory panels that day and a big emphasis on combating financial crime, which we alluded to at the start of this discussion. What can you tell us about that part of the program? That's right, Brad. I think we have a great lineup for our regulatory discussions. We're going to start discussing the growing trends towards market fragmentation. Uh, as you know, this is a huge concern for our members as we increasingly see a fragmented regulatory framework around the world and local supervisors resorting to ring fencing and preposition of capital and liquidity. We will be having a discussion on this with Rioso Jimeno from the JFSA, who, as you know, is also leading the FSB work in this area, as well as Mark van der Weide from the Federal Reserve, which, as we all know, has very strong views on this topic. We're also going to be taking stock of regulatory reform and looking at you know, how can we assess how effective the agenda has been and more importantly or equally important, whether there has been any unintended consequences of such reforms. We're going to have the head of Baffin in Germany, Felix Hufeld, as well as the Bundesbank engage in dialogue with the two industry leaders who have very clear views on this topic. John Dugan, chairman of Citigroup and Frederick Udea, CEO of Sockgen. They are going to discuss also how regulations is impacting their firms, their portfolio composition, and the overall strategy. And finally, we're going to have a really tremendous panel on financial crime issues with both official sector and private sector speakers. I'll use this opportunity to talk about how important AML and combating financial crime has become for the IIF and for the industry at large. We're going to have a separate roundtable on Saturday on this topic, and more importantly, we're going to be releasing a report on this topic that we have produced jointly with Deloitte. On this report, we really start from the premise that there is a growing consensus that the current global framework for fighting financial crime is not as effective as it could be, and that more needs to be done at the international, regional, and national levels to help identify and stem the flow of illicit finance. If we look at how much, you know, billions of dollars and, and manpower has been invested to tackle this type of criminality, 
greater emphasis needs to be placed on bolstering the efforts of law enforcement with the help of the private sector and ensuring that the legal regulatory framework and the financial risk management systems are enhanced to enable stakeholders or firms to achieve more effective outcomes. We think a combination of regulatory reform, cultural change within our organizations, the introduction of new ways of working, and especially the deployment of new technology could significantly enhance the work of governments, law enforcement, financial services industry in tackling this great threat. It will be a great discussion, and we hope that our report can contribute to reform in these areas. So we have a very wide-ranging program ahead, and I think a great representation of the topical issues that the financial services industry is facing at the moment. Thank you, Andreas, Dylan and Conan, and we look forward to the big week ahead and to seeing so many of our members and our partners in the official sector at this meeting. Looking further ahead on FRT in the coming weeks, we'll bring up the half century, episode 50 of FRT, and to mark that occasion, our CEO Tim Adams and I will be visiting FDIC Chair Yelena McWilliams. Conan and I continue looking at Facebook's Libra development and we'll report on that, especially in the context of the G7 Stablecoins report. And of course, with our annual membership meeting, Conan and I will also record a couple of episodes on site during the program with some of the thought leaders that we've referred to here, one with Visa's Europe CEO, Charlotte Hogg, and another with Hugh Van Steenis, the author of the Bank of England's Future of Finance report. Please tune in again for those upcoming episodes via the IAF website or on all podcast apps. I'm Brad Carr, and thanks for joining us on FRT. 